Hi, guys, and welcome to the Healthified Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has for over 15 years delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Before we get started, this episode of Healthified is brought to you by our sister company, Gratisfied, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. Our products are made with real food ingredients and blood sugar balance in mind. For a discount off of our products, visit gratisfied.com and use the promo code HEALTHIFIED at checkout. Today's guest is Kath Younger, registered dietitian and blogger behind the website katheats.com. This interview is so fun for me to share as I've been following Kath's blog for over 10 years, which you will learn more about. And in our conversation, we discuss her aha moment about food that ignited her path to becoming an RD and healthy living blogger, creating a balance between what I call cell nourishing foods and soul nourishing foods, and the mindset shifts to embrace more enjoyment with both. How her relationship with food has evolved with blogging, why she no longer owns a scale and what she focuses on instead, her tips for more mindful eating, vulnerability and how she chooses what she shares online, clearing the clutter and her hacks for simplifying life. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Kath. Hi, how's it going? Good. I'm so excited you could join me on the Healthified podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I'm a huge podcast listener of all kinds. So anytime I actually get to be on one, it's always, you know, it's like I'm on the other side of the Wizard of Oz curtain. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to have a really great conversation. Um, And for those of you who don't know, this is Kath Younger. She's a registered dietitian, mom of two boys, ages eight and two, and the blogger behind the website, Kath Eats, which you'll find at katheats.com. Based in Charlottesville, Virginia, Kath was one of the original healthy living bloggers and has been online since 2007. Kath writes all topics relating to healthy living, including recipes, nutrition, home organization, motherhood, beauty, and budgeting. Kath has been published in popular magazines such as O and Shape and has appeared on Access Hollywood. And she also has an online course dedicated to helping people organize their digital clutter, which I think is so needed these days. Um, And so first, a little background on how I know you. So I think I discovered your blog back in 2008, when I was really into those healthy living blogs. And, you know, it was kind of you and Tina and Brittany with eating bird food. And um, I just love them because I was personally starting to kind of delve into this world of nutrition and wellness. Um, And I've been following you ever since. And Being a UVA graduate, I thought it was so cool that um, you were in Charlottesville and now I'm in Richmond. So you kind of always felt local to me. Um, So it's just been so fun to follow your journey throughout the years. And I know we finally met a few years ago in person at RebelCon. So that was cool. Um, But now turn it over to you so you can kind of tell the listeners um, more about your story and how you got to where you are. Yeah. Well, thanks for following all these years. I I have... Quite a few people that, you know, if I chat with them or meet with them, they're like, oh, I've been following you since 2007. And when you really do the math on how many years that is, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I started blogging, I mean, you know, there was no Instagram, no Pinterest. There may have been Twitter, but like I, I didn't use it in the beginning, you know, um, I, I need to get my timeline right on when all the social media actually happened. But 
you know, in the early days, our blogs were the Instagram of today. It was like mm -hmm. living, it was like blogging in real time. And so that for the first five years, my blog was a food diary of every meal that I ate. And I started it after, so after graduating from college, I started cooking on my own and I had gained not the freshman 15, I would call it the turning 21, 15. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just my junior and senior years, I also had a foot injury that kept me from being very active. So I graduated from college, started cooking and weight just started falling off of me. And it was really this, um, you know, chicken or the egg situation where it started falling off of me. And that just encouraged me to keep, to want to be healthier, which then made me look into like, nutrition a little bit and how to cook better and like fitness and all these things. And, um, I, so I lost about 30 pounds over the course of oh. like a year and a half to two years. And in the meantime, I started my blog because people would, people kept asking me, how did you lose weight? How did you lose weight? What diet pill did you take? What, what secret method did you use? And I was like, mm -hmm. I just did it the tried and true way. Like I ate yeah. real food. And I exercised and I just tried to make that math work in my favor. Um, and so I started my blog in September of 2007 to just to kind of share like what I was actually doing in my day-to-day -day life. It was kind of like all the habit books before the habit books existed and yeah. just how those like little tiny changes and little tiny things that you do add up over the course of your day into what, you know, the healthy living lifestyle. Um, and so for five years, I would blog three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, you know, you'd get bits and pieces of my life in between, you know, what, what I did that day or where I went, or if I went to a parties and travel and like all that stuff was kind of woven into it. So it was kind of like the story of my life through food. Um, and then I had my older son in 2012 and, you know, everybody tells you like, oh, having your first baby, your world's going to be rocked. Well, I didn't quite realize until afterwards that it was not realistic for me to blog about my food anymore. Like mm -hmm. I didn't even have time to eat my food. So much <laughs> less like put it on a placemat and light a candle and make it look pretty. Um, so around that time, and you know, I knew I was going to have to change the blog a little bit. So I went from blogging three times a day to one time a day. And then over the course of that whole first year of my son's life, I just needed more flexibility in my publishing schedule. And so I started writing topics so that I could schedule them in advance. And I just couldn't keep up with the real time anymore. You know, like when you have kids, like all of your flexibility goes out the window. And um, so ever since 2012, I've been writing about different topics and it really morphs depending on what is going on in my life and what I feel drawn to and what takes up the most space in my brain. Mm -hmm. So when in the early years when my kids are young, there's a lot of like baby gear and motherhood and pregnancy and that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, when I have more time and energy, it's more recipes and cooking and food. And, um, and then home organization has always been like a huge passion of mine. I'm type A super organized person in general. And so um, that's probably the topic that I get the most requests to do more of is just 
here's a before and after of my junk drawer or like my linen closet. Um, and those kind of things. And I love that topic. I just, you know, those posts take a while to put together. So I don't, I don't see them too often, but, um, yeah. And then today I have like a couple spinoffs of, of my website. Um, I'm a beauty counter consultant, so I have a whole kind of clean beauty, um, section. And then also, um, my digital clutter course is another kind of leg of my business. So the blog is still kind of like, you know, everything spins around, around the sun, but, um, it's been nice to kind of pivot and create these little side businesses and just like, you know, blogging about the same thing every day gets a little boring. So it's to kind of spread my creativity in different directions. Yeah, that's awesome. And I feel as if that just kind of epitomizes, you know, what I believe wellness to be this kind of holistic 360 degree approach, um, to life really. I mean, it's not only, deduced to the physical with the nutrition and exercise and, um, but you know, that kind of the clean beauty side with what you put on your body, not only what you put in your body and then kind of the mental clarity, stress reduction with the clutter side of things. I think that that is so amazing. Um, and I want to get into that a little deeper in a bit, but I want to kind of back up and unpack kind of more of the beginning of your story. Um, you know, especially as it started with the blog. And I always loved the kind of succinctness of your name, you know, Kathy eats real food. Um, And I know when I discovered you, I was kind of just in my preliminary steps of learning what good nutrition entailed. Um, And this whole concept of real food, I mean, I probably hadn't even, I know this sounds crazy, but I probably hadn't even really heard of that back in my mid twenties. I mean, growing up, um, I'm sure this would sound familiar to you too. Like being a child of the eighties and nineties, you know, there was a lot of packaged foods in my house. Um, you know, health was kind of stripped down to calories in calories out. Um, my mom was always on a diet. So I had a very warped sense of what health meant when I kind of went into college. So did you have growing up, was there a message about nutrition for you or was this something you kind of had to discover on yourself? Um, I would say that I have very similar, um, kind of growing up in the nineties through the fat free, craze. I actually had really bad eczema when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And now that I know more about skin health and and the connection between what you eat, I think I actually had a fatty acid deficiency or something about my, my diet was too low fat. I used to pack when I would take my lunch in high school, I would pack iceberg lettuce salad with fat-free croutons and fat-free dressing. And, you know, and we thought that was healthy. Like that, we, I mean, it's, it's no wonder that, you know, the whole country just didn't know what was going on back then. Yeah. Um, and nutrition is such a young science yet. The irony of it is that the whole back to basics, just eat real food approach is the only thing that stood the test of time. It's the only, you know, eating pattern that you can literally trace all the way back is just not choosing the things that we have invented in the past, you know, 30 or 50 years. Right. Um, And I remember when I was first, um, when I was first losing weight out of college, where the the place that I went, where most like teenage or young adult girls went to learn about nutrition was women's magazines. Yes. And we all know, like 
the headlines on the front, like lose 20 pounds in 10 days and how to like, you know, lose inches from your waist by this one ab move. Like mm-hmm. that was our, that was our education when we were kind of coming of age. And so naturally that is the first place that I went when I was like, okay, I'm, I want to lose weight now. Like I've, I've kind of seeing that putting a little bit of work in pays off. So, okay, let's learn about nutrition. And, um, you know, a hundred calorie packs were all the craze back then. This was like the mid two thousands. Um, and you're right. It's like, it didn't matter what the quality was. It was just like, is it a hundred calories or less? Great. You get a green light. And I remember too, that was about the time where I switched over to using Splenda. I believe Splenda was kind of new and had Mm. come out and I was putting Splenda in my coffee and I was putting Splenda like in who knows what mixtures, you know, and I started to learn a little bit more about nutrition. And I read this book called, um, superfoods health style. And it was all about the like 20 to 25 foods that are nutritionally superior to Mm -hmm. all the rest and why you should be eating them. And for the first time for me, I realized that nutrition was about what you should be eating instead of what you shouldn't be eating. And that was the turning point. That was my light bulb moment. And that was the point where I was like, I want to know everything I can know about nutrition and the body and metabolism and what led me to eventually become a registered dietitian. But going back to that Splenda, I... I remember a distinct moment where I was like, okay, my choices for my coffee are either put sugar in it, which, you know, is fine in small doses, but like this was a daily habit. And I was like, I don't feel great about adding like 50 calories of sugar to my coffee. And then I also like the more I learned about artificial things and I said, I don't feel really feel that comfortable putting Splenda in my coffee. So what am I going to do? And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, coffee is not supposed to be sweet. (laughs) the answer is neither um and I haven't put sugar in my coffee since that day and I when I taste a sweetened coffee I mean I love coffee ice cream don't get me wrong but like regular old coffee like I think it ruins the flavor when you sweeten it so I had a lot of those moments where you know what I had been told which was use Splenda sugar is bad and like what I was learning it's like that oh the answer was neither Um, and the same kind of goes with real food. Like I did, I I had always focused on like, well, don't eat this and don't eat that and don't eat this. And then you're kind of like, what am I supposed to eat? Right. And I mean, I didn't know about things like kale and even avocados when I was growing up. And so once I opened my eyes to like all of these foods, it, it all of a sudden, like health and cooking became like kind of exciting and like this frontier of stuff to learn about. Mm-hmm. And so that, I mean, that is what inspired my blog name is like, I don't, I eat all foods. I love ice cream and buttercream frosting and I love wine, but I also really love kale salads and I love oatmeal and, you know, there's all of these superfoods I'm doing quotations, um, superfoods that I love too. And so, um, you know, it, it's kind of the balance of the two that, that leads, like, what are your everyday habits? That's kind of what I've always gone back to. And just because I eat real food doesn't mean that I don't, you know, have like a, 
at a kid's birthday party, some cupcake that has all the red food dyes in it or something like that, or, you know, like a, a candy bar or something um, on a car trip or something like that. Like I, I believe in the 80, 20 rule as well, where you just try your best to be um, to eat those superfoods and to like really, really to support the foundation of your diet 80% of the time. And then who cares about the 20? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's such a good point and something that, um, just always resonated with me with your blog and your voice was this super balanced approach. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned the women's magazines because I remember being in college and, um, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but, um, all throughout college, I had a very anxious relationship with food and it went into the realm of very disordered eating. And, um, I remember my best friends at the time actually had a sit down talk with me about it. And so it was almost kind of this light bulb moment of, um, shedding some clarity on, on this compulsiveness that I was developing with food. And that was a big turning point for me. But then I remember, you know, I would go to the gym in college and I would take the women's magazines with me in order to like be on the elliptical or whatever. And I just, um, remember reading this article, uh, with a famous woman and I will keep her identity unknown, but she was just like, yeah, I write down every single little thing I eat, the amount of calories that are in it, every single workout. And I was like, no wonder I am so crazy about my food and exercise because this is the stuff that is propagated over and over again in the media, especially with these women that, you know, girls like me kind of look up to. And, you know, this is a health magazine. Um, but then it was after college actually, where, um, when I graduated in 2008, where I kind of discovered your blog and other healthy living blogs and just seeing the contrast between what you all were putting out there and just having this balanced yet, like I'm living my life approach, um, highlighting some things. Yes. Like obviously the health and wellness side of it, but it was just this, like, there wasn't that negativity and like fear surrounding it. Like you, you know, you would eat your oatmeal, but then you would be drinking beer. So it was like, you know, it was just such a much more positive message surrounding, healthy food, but also like more balance with meals and stuff throughout the day. And that was just such an inspiration to me. So, um, thank you. (laughs) I think a lot of times Uh, we create like a fake, like a box and mm -hmm. we feel that we need to live within the constraints of that box. Like, like hypothetically, like the, the celebrity writing down everything she was eating. Well, why was she doing that? Well, she was doing that because she wanted to stay a certain size. Well, why did she want to stay a certain size? Well, I'm sure her, her partner probably thought her body looked amazing no matter what the size and the people who loved her. So, okay. Was she staying a certain size for the media? Well, why does the media care? And you know, it's this, it's this like trickle down effect and one of my favorite quotes is just, would a caveman think that you looked hot in that bathing suit? Well, yeah. <laughs> a caveman would be like, yeah, girl. And he didn't care yeah. if you have cellulite on your body and, you know, right. cares? like it, it you, you, sometimes I think I call it the zoom out approach. You just have to like zoom out and think about like, I'm a human being. I live in Virginia. I live in the United States. The United States, you know, is on this continent and this globe. And like, this is a moment in time. And when you think about yourself in that context, like 
if you eat a Twix bar, like who the F cares? <laughs> right. You know? Right. And you know, the way that like metabolism works, like eating that won't even, you know, it won't even really like affect you if you, you know, and especially I talk a lot about this, about, um, the emotions around the eating experience and how I've done a lot of research kind of on that mind body connection while you're eating. And it's fascinating and scientific research to back it up that like, if you go into an eating experience with positive emotions, um, and kind of this, um, like you're in a parasympathetic nervous state, right? Then your body is able to better metabolize and digest and, um, you know, burn off that food versus if you were to sit down at a meal, like super anxious and being like, I shouldn't be eating this. Mm -hmm. I always use the example too, of everybody has cake at a wedding. I mean, I shouldn't say everybody because, you know, if you can't have gluten or something, maybe you wouldn't be able to, but when you're in that, like, beautiful moment of celebration, of course, you're going to eat the cake. Like you're not sitting. I mean, I hope you're not sitting there thinking like, I shouldn't be eating this. I hope you're saying this is the bride and groom's happiest day. And I'm going to enjoy this cake in their honor. Um, at least that's how I look at it. And, um, the, the context matters. I I think you're right. Like enjoying things in the moment because it's part of the experience and it just tastes so good when you're, when you're enjoying them in that context. And when you're in a mindset of just like happiness and pleasure and all of those things. Exactly. And I even have kind of a tagline for that too, because I think that there can be the cell nourishing foods, right. Which are kind of like the real foods, the plant-based vegetables, fruits, you know, fats, proteins, things like that. And then there's kind of the soul nourishing foods that would be the example of the cake at the wedding or the birthday cake at your dinner. Like not necessarily the most nutritious thing for you, but it is part of the life experience and it should be met with kind of joy and celebration. Mm-hmm. I and, love that. Cell yeah. And soul. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you are a registered dietitian. You are an RD. So, um, you know, kind of, I know the real food philosophy really encompasses what you value, but if you had to kind of, um, talk about your nutritional philosophy in a little bit more detail, like what would that be? Like not to even just be like, how do you eat these days? But, um, how would you kind of sum up that philosophy? Um, I mean, honestly, that, that is it because I, I I think people are very quick to adopt the latest diet trend Mm -hmm. intermittent fasting or dairy free or whole 30 or paleo and all these things. And I think that you have to, I guess you have to go by how you feel. Yeah. So if you feel amazing eating paleo, then by all means eat that way. It's your body, your choice. But if you, if, if you, you know, jump on one of these trends and it just feels wrong. Like just stop on day one. And just like, I I feel like my eating philosophy is just like, be, be normal. Like, you know, stop trying to look for that one, um, that one secret that the latest headlines are sharing and just kind of go inward to yourself and, you know, the mindfulness and the intuitive eating and paying attention to how you feel when you eat certain things. Um, I mean, I, I think that 
after like a, a week long vacation, like I am craving a salad. Yeah. Um, and so if you really start to listen to how your body is feeling and what it's asking for, like it might be asking for a cake at a wedding and it might be asking for a salad and, um, just kind of living in the moment. And, and I, I feel like nutrition is even though like, you know, I, I am a registered dietitian. It's almost like the more I learned about it, the more I realized that we just didn't really have to worry about all these details, mm-hmm. you know, like all of this, you know, metabolism on a cellular level and like supplement industry, like our bodies know what to do and our organs know what to do and our liver's purpose is detoxing. Like yeah, if we just feed our body what it wants, all of that other stuff just takes care of itself. Um, and so I think I almost had to, you know, take all these courses in organic chemistry and like nutritional biochemistry, just to, to kind of go again, back to basics, just so I could tell people like eat real food. Mm -hmm. It's it's what's important. I, I always define real food as food in the way that nature intended it to be. Mm. So I think, um, you know, even something like turmeric, for example, like I should know exactly how that spice is made, but you know, a jar of turmeric, like a normal way to eat that would be to put a couple teaspoons into your soup or a teaspoon in your smoothie, or, you know, the real food way is to use it as an ingredient, putting like a hundred times potency in a pill is yeah. not really how nature intended that to be consumed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that people just get so caught up in this nutritional, you know, fact or article that kind of went to the extreme and, and you need to just ask yourself, how can I apply this to my everyday life? Yes, exactly. And I love that kind of back to basics, um, how nature intended it message, because I think that there could be people out there listening, being like, well, if I was to just eat what my body wanted, like that's cake and Oreos, you know? And so I don't think that, you know, intuitive eating or just eating what you want or what your body wants. I don't think that that necessarily means that you forego all of the, um, nutritional science out there when it comes to a real food way of eating, because I think, you know, just like me in my mid twenties, I didn't even really know what that was. So, you know, it's same kind of, um, thing when you were like, okay, well, how did our grandparents eat? Right. Like they just, you know, they ate a lot of vegetables and like real high quality protein. And they likely, you know, got it from the farm and, you know, more local sources and stuff. So I think that that's really helpful. And, um, knowing too, that your taste buds adapt. So like you said, with the coffee and the sugar, like the more you kind of shift to that real way of consuming certain foods, like the fake stuff that's out there won't be very appetizing. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a really great baseline for people to kind of adhere to when it comes to, you know, if, if someone's listening and and they need to make a change in terms of shifting more to a real foods way of of eating, that's kind of simplifies it for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So I, I talk a lot about, uh, food relationships, um, both kind of in my health coaching and with gratified and healthified. And I think it's just such an important tenant of nutrition and, um, the eating experience in general. So 
Did your relationship with food change and evolve with blogging? And if so, how? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for the, like I said, for the longest time, well, let me go backwards even more. Mm -hmm. So when I did lose that initial 30 pounds, I, I calorie counted my way there. And looking back, that was me learning about nutrition. That was me learning about nutrient density and, um, kind of the, the basics. Sorry about the barking. No, that's okay. We're very dog friendly on this podcast. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I do think that, you know, when I was calorie counting, like my relationship with food then is very different than it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think that the tools that I have gained over the years is that zoom out effect. It's kind of like, well, why, why was I trying to be a certain size or, or a certain weight? And like, I didn't really know, like, like I said, when I started losing weight, it was almost just like, it just started happening. Like, it wasn't like I set out and I was like, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. I just kind of started and I didn't know where I was going to end up. And so I think that I, I learned a lot over the, over that year and a half that I lost weight. And then I kind of had to like, it's like, I had to kind of go to the bottom so I could creep a little bit up a little bit. And I had Uh to kind of reset like I knew how to lose weight, but what it wasn't like a sustainable long-term, like we're talking about balancing, you know, the cell and the soul. Um, I was very cell focused at that point. And, mm-hmm. um, I just kind of like, you know, I, I haven't gained it back or anything. I've gained some of it back, but you know, who cares? It was 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just having a better relationship with my body and a better relationship with just like knowing that those soul foods are more important at times than the cell ones. And just like the happiness that comes along with that, that has all what been what has evolved for me. I hope I'm making sense with all of that. Totally. And so did you find that when your kind of your body got into that, um, more relaxed state with it that you were still able to kind of sustain and achieve, um, that feeling. I'm not even going to say that look, because I really do think, and let me back up and say that I think in our society, sometimes, wanting to lose weight or, um, weight loss efforts almost get demonized because of that dieting culture. Mm -hmm. Um, again, this is what I tell all my health coaching clients too. And I work primarily with women. I think as women, we deserve to feel good and confident and healthy in our bodies, Mm -hmm. wherever that is for you in terms of, I even hate to acknowledge the number on the scale, but, um, in, in terms of the weight, like that's what matters, how you feel. So did you feel like that happiness kind of coincided with, I'm going to say your happy weight, your happy feeling of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even own a scale anymore um, because I just, I think it's kind of a pointless number. Um, I don't even, you know, ask what my weight is when I go to the doctor, because if my doctor says that I'm healthy, then I'm healthy. Good. Um, And so, yeah, I had another thought on that, um, before I got on that tangent, um, just that I, I think that you're right. Like how you feel is the most important and what your body is able to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I play 
two hours of soccer every Sunday. And I love to be active because of the way that it makes me feel. Um, and that works both ways. Like if I need a rest day to feel good or I need a yoga day, um, it's, it's more like, I, I do think that now it used to be, I was more focused on how I looked or even just like a number, because, you know, like I was saying that box, you just like pull out of no, you just like make it up in your head. Like right. I want to be 125 pounds. Yes. Well, there's, that's not based in any, I mean, maybe it's based in some number that your doctor suggested, or maybe you read it in a women's magazine. Right. Um, but I think I had created like a box that it was like a goal, but not a goal. It was just like a fake number that I'd made up. And when you go by how you feel, that is a much more like tangible result. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like if your body feels good, your body feels good. So there's no arguing with that versus like using an external measure, like a, a number on a scale or a number of calories per day. Like you could still have that number wrong. Like you could say, I'm going to eat 2000 calories a day. Well, did your body tell you that? Or did you just make that number up? Right. Right. And sure. There's calculators and you can get kind of in the ballpark, but like still only your body really knows how many calories it's burning. So it's kind of, it's kind of pointless to count anyways, because you, you might decide on a number and your body was like, actually I burned 2,300 yesterday. (laughs) You know, who knows? It's so much more complicated than people think. And it's like this like whole, you know, I say that our bodies aren't calculators. It's more of a chemistry lab. And so like, there's just these metabolic processes that, you know, you cannot measure from that black and white equation that we are so accustomed to. Right. And, and two, like, you know, I could play two or three hours of soccer on a Sunday and that Sunday I'm not very hungry because I was exercising most of the day, but then on Tuesday, maybe I'm on my second rest day because my legs are so tired (laughs) and I'm starving. And like somebody who was religiously tracking would say, oh, you can't eat today because you didn't work out today. But really it's just like this lag effect from the extra active day you had two days ago. And so it's kind of like they say kids eat, like they average their meals over the course, not a day, but over a week. Mm. Sometimes like your kid will not eat dinner and you're like, what, what's wrong with you? But then they eat two breakfasts the next morning and our bodies are like that too. Like it's not, we are exactly, we are not a calculator. Like our bodies don't, you know, stick to the exact same thing. I actually have a blog post and something that I've talked about for many years is called the squiggly line effect. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's kind of just like an old fashioned roller coaster where some days you're going to eat a whole lot of food. And then other days you're going to under eat quote unquote, whatever your body actually demanded. Mm -hmm. And it's the average of those that really matters. It's unrealistic to think that our eating patterns would be a completely like straight across line. So some days are up and some days are down and it's kind of the average of those days that your body will kind of settle into over time. Yeah. Yeah. And that we are to eat the same way every single day. And I, and I love the kind of analogy of the child, because I think children have just, they're so in tune with their hunger signals that, um, you can probably learn a lot from 
a child in the way that they eat and, you know, they will refuse food if they're not hungry and they'll ask for food when they are. And, um, and, you know, I think that the, what the dieting culture does, unfortunately, is it gets us so out of tune with our body. And so, um, it sounds as if what you're saying, just like getting more in tune and just like really listening and, and being in tune with those hunger signals. But at the same time, you know, given my research in blood sugar balancing nutrition and hormonal balance and things like that, you do have to establish kind of that real food way of eating alongside so that those hunger cues don't get skewed like they are in the standard American diet. And especially when, um, you know, there's hanger and, um, it's just, it needs to kind of go together if you will. Right. Um, and, and speaking of the number on the scale, I do want to say something because this has always, um, been very impactful for me and I've never forgotten it, but I remember seeing on Instagram one time someone had posted like your, the number on the scale measures your gravitational pull to the earth. Like end of story. (laughs) And so many people put their self-worth into this number. And that kind of makes you think like, huh, like maybe, maybe it's definitely not as important as I once thought. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think, and I'm sure you would agree, mindful eating really plays a big role in cultivating a healthy relationship with food. And I know that's something that's part of your message as well. What are your tips for people to become a more mindful eater? Um, don't eat dinner till after your kids are asleep. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I will, I will, as I go newly into motherhood, I will remember that. (laughs) Um, yeah, I remember, uh, when, when my older son was born, I had spent a lot of time, like teaching myself to slow down and chew slowly and appreciate everybody. And then as soon as that baby comes out, you're like shoveling it in with one hand standing at the counter, like, especially because you're so hungry all the time. Yeah. nursing and everything um so and my younger son is two and a half so I I feel like I'm coming out of that stage now where I've had to shovel food in again and not been able to just like have a leisurely dinner and just enjoy I mean that drives me nuts Mm -hmm. when I have spent like an hour cooking dinner and we sit down and like the kids are playing and the second we sit down they eat uppy 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 <laughs> can I please just enjoy this meal that I spent all this time cooking um so I think let's see other mindful tips so that yeah that's definitely one is like find a find a quiet spot if possible yeah, I love <laughs> um that. I always say that the your best tool for nutrition is a well-stocked fridge mm. um, if you if you're hungry and you don't have good food in your fridge, then you're going to have to eat something out of package or a box. And, you know, obviously there's, there's foods that are totally fine to eat that come out of a box. But, um, if you have done a little bit of meal prep, or if you have taken advantage of some of the awesome food delivery services or, you know, stocked up on snacks, like you're going to make better decisions and, it's going to be, you're going to enjoy the food more if you have it available. Um, and so I think a well-stocked fridge and ironically, my people always comment on Instagram that my fridge always looks empty. 
<laughs> because I really try to be like the barefoot Contessa and yes. I want to have like my, when you open the fridge, it looks neat and tidy and there's like herbs in the back. And then there's like a couple of prepared foods to heat up. Um, but there's more food in mind than you think. You just <laughs> like to clean it up by the end of the week, but well, yeah. stock fridge, uh, will will carry you far with, um, you know, eating that way that when you're hungry, you have lots of choices and yeah. When you have lots of choices, you don't feel rushed and you can kind of enjoy them a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I love that. I always think that we, my husband and I have kind of gotten more into like a meal planning, um, preparation habit, if you will. And so we really do stock up on Sunday and then like by Thursday, Friday, it's empty. And I always consider that like a huge win because I hate wasting food one and two, it's just like that meant that I actually held myself accountable for cooking the things that I said I was going to cook. Um, and so I'm like, this is amazing. And then you can kind of go into the weekend with more of like, Oh, I'm going to get takeout or I'm going to go out to eat instead. And, um, it really does make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. We do the same thing and our food waste has gone way down except for the fact that half the stuff I put on my toddler's plate, he doesn't eat. So (laughs) wasted that way. (laughs) Drives me nuts, but, um, yeah, it's nice to have a kind of a a fresh start in your fridge and then you can, you can very clearly see like, what do we need? And it's, you can make your grocery list faster and you don't have any of that like funky stuff in the back. Right. Exactly. So shifting gears a little bit away from kind of the food and nutrition side of things. Um, so I imagine like having a blog and obviously you're active on Instagram and, and having that audience that you do, um, it means that you share a lot about yourself, right? And and how has that side of the experience been for you? Is it something that comes naturally or like being vulnerable and sharing more personal things? Is, does that push you out of your comfort zone? Um, I've, I mean, I've definitely pushed myself out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, I ended a marriage and got remarried and that I kept that private for a while. And then I just thought, I have nothing to lose and just like helping people to gain by sharing more of this. And so I think that is always like, I love the quote, vulnerability creates connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, not to say that I share everything, but when I'm kind of on the fence about something, I always think that it helps, you know, I, I feel like I distinguish myself on the internet from, um, other people in that I try to be a real person and I try to, um, be, you know, as relatable as possible. And like, I want to be people's friends. Like I want my followers to think of me as their friend. And I I think many people do. Um, It's the funny thing about social media. I know. And so, you know, like, would I tell my friends this? Would I tell, you know, might tell my best friend everything, but like, you know, your next level of friends out. Like if you would tell your friends, like, why would you not want to tell your followers, um, you know, news or vulnerable moments and that kind of thing. So, um, I do think that, uh, shifting from blogging every single day to blogging on my own schedule was a, a very good decision. Um, because, you know, like if, I don't know, something happened or I wanted to go somewhere, be with somebody that didn't want to be online or something like that. Yeah. I now have the choice to share. Whereas like in the first couple of years, I didn't have much of a choice. 
but I was so young and carefree then it didn't really matter. But, um, you know, I like now that I, I, I'm still sharing my real life, but it's what I choose to share versus like feeling the need to share every meal and every day. Um, and so a lot of my posts these days are kind of like a recap of the week and it's usually the high points. Sometimes it's the low points included, but like everything in there, both high and low are things that I'm choosing to share. Yeah. Um, and that's why I could never do like a reality TV show or anything where I wasn't the editor because I would want to be the one to say like, oh yeah, share that. Oh yeah. Don't share that. So I, you know, I think because I'm still in control of what I'm sharing, I'm happy to share both the vulnerable things and the happiest things. Yeah, no, I'm sure that that is, um, you know, and I'm sure that like kind of making that shift in your blog was something that you kind of had to propel yourself to do, because I know, um, that for me in a certain type of instance, I would put a lot of pressure on myself to try and maintain the output that I was doing the whole time. But I think, um, at the end of the day, like you have, if you're the one behind the screen producing the work and needing to be creative, then you need to kind of stay in alignment with it. And it's completely okay to, um, to sort of say no, or like slough off the amount so that you stay productive. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly having a battle between writing about life in real time, which Mm -hmm. is really, really easy to do. And those posts take me like no time to put together. If I just have a bunch of pictures from our weekend and can write some captions Mm -hmm. versus like, and, and, you know, that's easy to write about, but it requires you to like constantly be producing it Yes. versus like more evergreen topics, like five ways to snack smarter. Right. That post is going to take me a lot longer to put together. People are not going to like it as much, but it gives me that flexibility in my week. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I try to balance between the two and try to do like one or two evergreen posts. And then, um, you know, more of like a real time, here's what we did this week post. And Mm -hmm. That way, you know, if I have a week where everybody in our house is sick or something, I can just like put an evergreen post in, or if I don't catch up on the evergreens, I can, you know, so I can kind of change my schedule around just based on like what's going on in my life and how flexible I need to be. And so that's, so it, I think it is good ultimately that I I do constantly like ask myself which one I should do more of because it's a sign I should probably be doing both. Yeah. And I think that that kind of plays into kind of a larger theme here, especially with you and your career path and how, um, how, what you are producing now is very different than what you produced 10 years ago. And I think that's the beautiful thing about career paths versus how it's been in earlier generations where people kind of like found a job that they worked for 30 or 40 years. And that was it. Like there's almost this like evolutionary unfolding. And it sounds to me as if what you get inspiration to create or produce and also what kind of little niche businesses that you go into, it's kind of been sparked by your own individual life and which then ties back into your desire to share, which is basically how you started your blog in the first place. Right. Exactly. 
so that's a kind of a good segue to talking about organizing and clutter. And, um, I just love this because I think so many people either underestimate or wouldn't even think about this side of things having to do with health, um, and how minimizing and decluttering and organizing can really help, um, your mental clarity and your energy. So how, I know you said it's something that you've just always been interested in for a long time, but what was the moment where you were like, Oh, I want to like put this out there, create a course about this or help others in this area. Yeah. So I feel like, um, all of our digital, all of our devices and everything, it, they're all new to us, right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have an, I don't remember when I got my first iPhone, but you know, this is a new problem. People 30 years ago didn't have to declutter their computers because they didn't have computers. Right. Um, and so there, there is the sheer volume of digital clutter with like emails, digital photos, files, you know, hard drives that, you know, you keep getting a new computer and then it's just piling up and piling up and piling up. And nobody really knows how to manage it all because it is such a new problem. And, you know, when I graduated from college, like life was so simple back then. I had one computer and a phone that just text messaged. And now I have, you know, two computers and like tons of photos in my archives that, you know, plus a shoebox from my first part of my childhood. So I think it's a, it's a problem that almost every single human being in this country and the world too, um, needs to kind of think about mm -hmm. yet. It's not a conversation you're hearing every day. Like, how are you managing your email inbox this morning? Like, right. <laughs> you know, um, Oh, I think and, when I met my email inbox yesterday, there was a point where my forehead was literally on my desk. <laughs> That's well, how I'm managing it. I'm not. Take my course then. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so my course tackles um, five areas of digital clutter, photos, email, files, money, and calendar and tasks. Mm -hmm. um, and the systems are, it, it, the, my solutions are not these detailed hierarchy systems that are going to take you like 20 years to go through every photo and rename it. Um, it's supposed to be quick and it, it's really just about how are you filtering the incoming digital clutter so that you can quickly sort it and then save it to your archives. Mm -hmm. um, and email is the perfect example. Like you have a hundred emails coming in every day. And the first step would be to simplify, unsubscribe, uh, create auto filters. Um, and then the second uh, step would be to sort. And I use this method called the Starbox, um, not to be confused with Starbucks. <laughs> Every time I see Starbucks, I feel like I'm like from the deep South saying Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> so the Starbox. Uh, and then um, once you have uh, either uh, take an action or read the email or reply to the email, then you archive it and you forget about it. So that's just one example of um, how I create a very, very simple system that you can apply to almost any email platform to help you um, minimize and sort and save as quickly as possible because email is not going away. Mm -hmm. And if you don't address the problem now, it will only get bigger 
digital photos are the same. I mean, how many times have you gotten a new phone? And it's like, would you like to transfer 20,000 photos to your right. phone? And then estimated time, 13 hours. And you're yeah. just like, ah, like, I don't want to delete all those photos, but at the same time, like, what do I do? Yeah. You take so many screenshots and junk photos. Like, you know, you take a picture of your water bottle and send it to your friend. Cause you're like, check out this new water bottle. Well, you don't want to save that picture, right? but it's sitting there right next to a picture of your kids. And you do want to save one of those. So, um, it's my systems will help you from this point forward um, implement a, a method to very quickly, uh, be able to auto upload, sort, and then export those photos that you should save and then delete all the rest. And that way, when you get a new phone, like you just let the photos die with your phone because you have saved the important ones to the cloud. Got it. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel, how can people find this course? I feel as if people are probably nodding their heads right now. Yeah. So if you want um, to get a little bit more of a taste for the methods, you can go to digital-clutter.com slash workshop. And I have um, a free 40 minute workshop that kind of goes over all of the, the high level overview of this, of the three mistakes people usually make with their digital clutter and why the snowball just keeps getting bigger. And then at the end, there's kind of an overview of the course. So if you want to take a deeper dive and go into the paid version, um, you can figure out all the details of how to do that at the end of the workshop. That's awesome. And I imagine this all kind of, I, I love how your tagline on your Instagram profile actually says, you know, simplifying life. Um, and so this has to tie back into kind of you and your efforts to simplify your own life. Um, what are some other ways that you've kind of simplified your life versus in the past? Well, that's a good question. Um, I am always working on our household, the, the way to streamline our household. One, mm-hmm. um, I actually have a blog post about this okay. called Batching Your Household. And awesome. um, not mixing laundry loads is just a, one example. Mm-hmm. So the worst part of laundry is folding it and putting it away. And the more people you put together, the more folding and different rooms you have to put it away in. So by not mixing, I just do laundry for each person generally once a week and I don't mix. And so that way it's just really quick. Ooh. And if you want to really have your mind blown, go find my YouTube video called how not to fold laundry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I have, um, I, I think I made a lot of people's like hair go up on their neck when I, when I was like, I don't fold my laundry. And I, I've, I don't fold my workout clothes. I don't fold my underwear. I don't fold my pajamas. I just stuff them into drawers. Um, because those, you know, the only thing I, and I hang up my nice clothes. That's the only thing you care about getting wrinkled and gosh, it saves a lot of time. So we'll need to implement the not folding laundry system. Oh, that is Um, that's one area of simplification. And I mean, I am always decluttering like, I feel like once a week I go into my kids' rooms and just take out things that they don't love anymore. And, um, always trying to just ask myself, like in my closet, you know, do I love this? Does this, do I feel like an amazing, confident woman when I wear this? And if the answer is anything, but heck yes, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that sometimes feels a little wasteful. Um, but 
you know, sometimes it was my favorite pair of jeans three years ago. And then this year it's just not, I'm not feeling it. And I just let it go. And everything goes to goodwill or donate donation center. And, you know, just if you're done with a picture and somebody else is going to love that picture. Um, so I'm, I'm just always constantly trying to like make my home space as simple and organized as possible. And the less you have, the less you have to organize that goes yes. for digital clutter and real clutter in your house and your clothes and your dishes and all of that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. And it kind of um, makes me think of that um, one in one out system. Like, let's say you get like a new coffee cup or something, then like what coffee cup has to go and, you know, donating it. And um, I read something very recently that about kind of your closet specifically. And it's like, if you, you know, there's those like Marie Kondo um, mindsets, you're like, Oh, but does this bring you joy? Or do you absolutely love this? Yes. But I've heard another powerful one that was like, how much would you pay for this today? Mm-hmm. And if you just like, wouldn't, then you should probably get rid of it. Um, but yeah, and a lot of times we have, we have duplicates of things. Um, so you might have, let's say you have six sweatshirts. One of those is your favorite. And one of those you probably wear, like I'm wearing mine right now. Yeah. You wear it all the time. And the only time you wear sweatshirts two through five is if this one's dirty. Dirty. Yes. So in that case, like you probably don't really need sweatshirts, three, four, five, and six, right? You could probably donate those. And then you have your favorite and then you have your backup for when the other one's in the wash on your one day a week that you do laundry. Yeah. Uh, and so that just helps you simplify too. Like this goes for like serving platters. If you have mm-hmm. a party, like I always pick the same serving platter. Those that are my favorites, or I have my favorite sheets for my bed and I have I have favorite, favorite shoes, like in all these different categories. So if you, you need just one in every category and sometimes a backup, if like cleaning is an issue or something, but you don't usually need 10 in a lot of cases. Right. And I feel like if people hold on to things, it's kind of like an emotional attachment, like a hoarding mindset, like maybe there's some nostalgia there. Um, So it's just kind of like getting real with yourself and what you absolutely like need and what you can kind of get rid of that. You just, it's collecting dust somewhere. Right. So I think that's so helpful. And, um, and again, I think that that just plays a big part into, cause I know for me, and I'm sure you would say the same, like once you declutter and organize, it's like almost this like huge weight off of your shoulders and you just feel lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think that things need space to breathe. Mm-hmm. So the clothes in your closet and how very Marie Kondo of me, maybe she said that I can't remember, but your, your dishes, like you need, if you have space in your cabinets, like hold that space, don't fill mm-hmm. that space. Yeah. Everything, and- everything needs a little space to breathe. Yeah. And it just looks cleaner. Yeah. Um, so just a couple more questions for you. Um, what would be some of your other favorite forms of self-care? I'm really missing hot yoga. Right I now. am too. I am too. As soon as my vaccine kicks in, I would love to go back to a yoga studio. Um, I also miss the sauna. I, I love hot things. Yeah. Uh, 
I always joke that hot car is my favorite temperature. Um, so I love, you know, just those kind of self-care, like where I'm one of those people where you have to kind of force me to meditate, AKA I'm the best candidate for meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I would say for me, like self-care, just anything, any place that I go, like a yoga class where I, I have to sit there. I can't look at my phone. I can't, you know, multitask and, you know, do all the things that if I was home, I'd be folding laundry while I was listening to this podcast and and that kind of thing. So that's really important for me to schedule in. I also really love reading for that reason, because when I'm reading a fiction book, my brain cannot also think about my to-do list or what I'm making for dinner and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and usually I'll, I'll sit down with my book. And for the first like couple of pages, I will find myself like your thoughts just naturally drift to all the things that have been swirling around in your head. And then just magically, like a minute later, it just, they lift away and then you get sucked into a book. So, um, I try to read a little bit every day and I love fiction just for the escape, because if I read books, like or nonfiction books, I start thinking too much. So I have to, to delete the thoughts from my brain. Right. Um, and I also love the show survivor, which I'm also excited. Oh, to cool. I don't think back to that well. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen all the seasons. Oh, that is so funny. Um, yeah. Speaking of reading fiction, I always tell people that one of my favorite things to do is like when I'm on an airplane and read fiction, because you literally can't have your phone because you're it's on airplane mode and there's nothing to do. Like you can't get distracted by doing dishes or doing laundry. You're just needing to sit there and you're however many thousand feet up in the air. And so it literally is like, that's like why I love flying because you just have no excuse. That's just what you're supposed to be doing. And then you can just read and it's the best. Yeah. Well, just wait till you have a baby in your lap. (laughs) (laughs) That will ruin flights for you. Yeah. So many things to mentally wrap my head around in the next two months. <laughs> oh, it's the best thing though. I know I'm excited. Um, all right. So before I ask my very last question, um, I know you spoke about your digital clutter course, but how else can people find you? I am at Kathy's anywhere you might look, um, <laughs> blog name, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, all of the places. So mm-hmm. at Kathy's. Awesome. So you definitely should go follow her and you will immediately just know that you're friends and she has so many good tips all across various topics. Um, so this is one of my favorite questions to ask because I have a personal fascination with morning routines and it's just so different from everybody. So what is your morning routine? Ooh, that's a fun question. So I usually get up pretty early because I like to have quiet time before my kids wake up and my husband also gets up really early and um his dad has always brought his mom coffee on her nightstand and he has carried the tradition to me oh my gosh what a gem i usually wake up every day around alex are you listening I hear my alarm clock is the little clink of my like ding of my cup putting on yeah. my stand. Um, it's the best thing. He takes such good care of me. Uh, and so I, I actually keep my laptop on my nightstand because I like to wake up slowly. And so I just like, 
I call we call it morning time where mm-hmm. you like check your email and I check in with my budget and you know, I might browse the internet or look at some Instagram. It's just like, it's kind of like reading the newspaper was, you yeah. know, years ago. It's just like, let's just check in with the internet a little bit. Um, so I, I wish I could say I meditated for 30 minutes, but unfortunately that is not my answer. I go straight <laughs> to the digital, but I love it though. It's just like my quiet time of the day is to drink coffee. Sometimes I do a little work. Um, and then I get up with the kids and make breakfast. And then I usually exercise after the kids are um, at school and get on with my work day after that. Yeah. So it sounds as if, you know, that first part of your day is meditative for you. So, I mean, I think it's just what kind of how something makes you feel. And I think it sounds very different than people who immediately check their phone or their social media or their email. And there's just this like Zoom rush overwhelm sense of it. Like to you, it sounds like it's just a very like calming ritual. Yes, it absolutely is. And it helps. I I think that's a good sign that I like what I do (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. you know, that, and I don't have, you know, a mean boss that's going to tell me I didn't do something right or whatever. Um, and I think it just helps me kind of feel organized too. Like I know that when I come down for breakfast, like usually my inbox is clear thanks to my systems And, um, I might've like planned out my day a little bit and, you know, checked in with my budget. I'm a huge budgeter and I use the app. You need a budget, which is awesome if you have never used it. And so you have to like approve transactions. So it's just like, it's like, I have this like little checklist that I go through Mm -hmm. and then, um, it's like, I'm starting the day with a clean slate after that. So I, yeah, I never, I never dread opening my laptop. I always love it. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, well, Kath, this has been such a great conversation and so much. Um, I've learned so much and I know our listeners have too. So I just want to thank you, um, for coming on here and, um, also for just, you know, sharing yourself with, um, the world and your audience. And, um, I think you're so right about being vulnerable, but also just kind of being able to share those things that have helped you in your life. And, um, I think that that's one of the greatest gifts of not only being human, but of, um, the connection that we do have on the internet and being able to do that. So, um, this has been so great and I'm just so appreciative. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I had a lot of fun. Good. Well, you have a good rest of your day and we'll, um, see you on the interwebs. Sounds good. Bye, Kath. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes and you can connect with us on Instagram at healthified and at gratified. Until next time.